0: Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Chaust and Brian Cunningham.
1: Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number, believe it or not, 67. And today, we're looking out for
0: fabulous finches. They're on their way, Brian. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like you know waiting for your birthday and gifts, and, or like Christmas or another holiday time where you can get <laughs> gifts. This is like the, the gifts for bird feeding. This is yeah. such an exciting time. Such an exciting time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to talk all about the finches that may come and visit your feeders any day now, or even a little bit later <laughs> in the winter, depending on they move around so
0: that's right as well as some tips on how to help attract them and if they're passing through maybe even keep them for longer looks or maybe they hang out for the winter absolutely too much fun
1: so Brian winter finches finches are fabulous they're coming What, what what's all this about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do you mean, the I have finches all the time. What do you mean there's more finches coming?
0: Right. Well, We've alluded to this. We've kind of sp- spoken to it offhand a couple of times on some of our previous podcasts. And it's all about the finches and a few other eruptive bird species. I know we're throwing out some big words there. Uh, that are up in the, the northern boreal forests, uh, Canada, some of the areas in northern um, states. And when you have cone crops, you know we get the different conifers and the cones or different berry trees and, Mm -hmm. and you have the cone crops or the berry crops that just didn't grow well this year. There's not an abundance of food. Then all these different birds that feed on those through the winter erupt or they move out of that area, going somewhere else, looking for food. And there's, they're not going to go further North generally. Um, So they erupt into Southern provinces and to the lower 48 States. And then we get the benefit of trying to look for them and attract them to our yards. Yeah,
1: they're they're not the classic migrants that you know come south every year and then go back north in the spring. Right. These are birds that are basically moving simply because the food that they depend upon is very very scarce, and they're trying to find. And I've always thought about this. This is so wild to me. How do they know where to go? How do they know, you know, mm-hmm. if the if the pine cone <laughs> crop or the spruce cone crop or whatever it might be up in the boreal forest is is is, you know, sparse because of a drought this past winter, our right. summer, or both. You know, the bottom line is how do they know that there's going to be food when they come south? And I guess maybe they probably don't know, but it's their best shot. But some of them actually go yeah. west. Some of these the, birds don't actually migrate yes. south. They actually migrate when there's a a really good cone crop in the in the western part of Canada and the northern part of northwestern uh the US they'll actually move west instead of come
0: south so how do mm-hmm. they know this it's interesting to me yeah who gives them the memo like it's <laughs> eh, going to go south we're going west yeah. or vice versa going east yeah. I, mean, yeah I if there another opportunity for a research project right yeah
1: yeah <laughs> Well and the other fun thing is how do we know they're coming? And that that's the whole mm-hmm. big story behind the the, the yes. Fench eruption is that there's actually people who have been studying this for years, decades, and have people scattered all over Canada and the northern tier of states in the US who are reporting the crop conditions of the pines and the spruces and the and the uh, the service berries and the other, you know, fruiting producing trees and that type of thing. And they put together, they get all these reports. I mean, literally, I mean, mm-hmm. dozens, if not many Hundreds. dozens of reports from all across <laughs> right. this area. And they kind of put together this report and, and a guy named Ron Pitaway did it for decades. He did it for mm-hmm. many, many years and kind of, you know, he had help with all his reporters and stuff. Uh, but now it's actually grown into kind of this reporting network and they have their own website. They have their own Facebook page So we actually know more than we ever have known about the movements of these finches. And this year especially, we're going to know more about it on an ongoing basis than we ever have before.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, The organization is the Finch Research Network. And this is only a part of what they do. They're doing so much of studying about finches. Mm -hmm. uh, But this is the piece that so many birders and backyard birders, backyard bird feeding hobbyists, get excited about because it is the looking forward to of Mm -hmm. could i get some atypical birds at my bird feeders and get to enjoy them um and that's what i get so excited about kind of like i alluded in the beginning it's like getting gifts you know they're looking forward to what's gonna be here who's gonna show up well and Uh, it's
1: it's it's not like it happens every year either that's the other thing about it some years i mean you may go many years between some of these eruptions Mm -hmm. and that's what's so exciting i think for us this year is the predictions and we're already seeing some of it come to fruition already the predictions are we're looking at a pretty good eruption of birds coming out of the boreal forest and into the southern tier you know uh in middle southern in some cases tier of states in in the u.s and so uh we're excited because there's there's certain species we're already seeing some really strong movements and other ones they're predicted to move but
0: they're not moving <laughs> but... quite yet Right. So I think we should jump into some of these birds. I agree. Uh, I like it. That, yeah. So uh, let's jump into the ones that we're most excited about. Yeah. Those those primary birds. Um, I keep a watch on this every year uh, looking at evergreen. Huh? And yep, <laughs> I look at the pine siskins because uh, they're, they're so nomadic. Uh, and pine siskins are really Yeep. neat. Yeah, I love that call. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> they love to hang out with other finches, but when they're also very, very gregarious, they like to be together. You're usually not going to see a single siskin. You usually see a few together, or a dozens together. Yeah. And when yeah. they move, um, the, these guys, being so gregarious and nomadic, they're moving all around, um, and, and they're already dropping out of the the northern boreal forest, um, all across. Uh, the lower 48s uh, all the southern provinces they are on the move it's interesting though uh, when you look at these little guys and they love to hit backyard bird feeders because kind of like your any of your goldfinches house finch mm-hmm. finch purple finch all like the same kinds of little small seeds they love niger seeds they love sunflower chips and even sometimes sunflower seeds in the shell like black mm-hmm. oil sunflower um mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, and so you also get them, they'll all hang out together. They pay attention to to each other about where food is. Uh, so it's neat to see too that right now we have a ton of pine siskin on the move. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are like thick as thieves up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, British Columbia area. Yeah. Because there's a really good cone crop yeah. still over in that part uh, geographically. And so... I, we're talking about how they move east to west and know where the food is. Some of the siskins have moved west to that food. Mm-hmm. I, is there some kind of memo system <laughs> that, that they, some beak network or something, yeah, they yeah, pass this yeah. message along? Uh, because not all of them are moving west. Mm-hmm. In the in the eastern part of North America, we have a lot of the siskins that have already, they're in the northwestern um the lower provinces and the states and they're already dropping south so a yeah. lot of a lot of people getting them in their backyards already yeah this
1: is one of those birds too you kind of have to do a double take sometimes they they, mm-hmm. they look a lot like a winter you know plumage goldfinch uh, but they're more stripey they have more stripes on them one of them they've got a little a, a well marked one's got a little dash of yellow in the tail a little dash of yellow in the wings And but the thing I really I think for me, cements the difference is the bill shape. The bill on yes. a pine siskin is like just needle sharp. It just comes yeah. to a needle sharp point and really is distinct from uh, the, the American goldfinch's bill. Now, another thing cool, too, about these things, Brian, we get excited, obviously, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's not just because they're here, but sometimes the numbers, I mean, pine siskins can be in huge numbers. Evening gross beaks mm-hmm. can be in huge numbers. Uh, red poles can be in. I've seen photographs and, and sometimes in person where I've had the opportunity to see. Like I was up in Minnesota uh, last winter to go see some of these birds because, oh, yeah. you know, that's where they're typically, uh, you know, and, and reliably found. You're talking, you know, four, five, six dozen red poles at a feeding station all at one mm-hmm. time. And it's just blows your mind to see that many red poles at one time so it's not just the fact that they're here but quite often it's just the amount of them that show up at your feeders so the other thing <laughs> make sure you got a good supply of bird food sometimes because especially evening grosbeaks, they're gonna they're gonna eat you out of house and home sometimes
0: oh yeah uh, well it, to touch on evening grosbeaks, beaks talk about a beautiful yeah. striking yeah. bird yellow and black with some white patches the males just are just this brilliant coloration mm-hmm. and very delineated. And mm-hmm. then the females are this nice, uh, kind of a grayish with a hints of yellow in them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but the beak can't miss that beak. I mean, when they, when, yeah. when a bird's called a gross beak, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not because it's, it's ugly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's because it's
1: big, <laughs> big
0: beak that is built for crushing open yeah. seeds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're really well known for that. Yeah. Being able to crush it. You and I
1: were just talking a little while ago about the fact that, you know, most birds, when they eat fruit, they eat the fruit because of the flesh of the fruit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gross beaks, no. (laughs) (laughs) They have a beak that's so strong that they can exert enough pressure that they can crack, like on a cherry. They can crack the Mm -hmm. pit of a cherry and actually eat the pit of a cherry, where there's not any other bird out there. I think I saw something, 125 pounds of pressure. They can apply yeah. with that beak. Oh my gosh!
0: That's you... that's just crazy. That yeah. is
1: strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh.
0: it's cool too. You think about that. They can bust open those things. So if you have striped sunflower seeds in a blend or in your feeder, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a harder shell. You know, pine siskins are, are winter finches, they have a it's a challenge for them to open it. But pine siskins, when they're at a feeding system, that uh, gross beaks are. As well. The gross beaks will open up the, the, it's like nothing. I can open up a striped sunflower seed and then the siskins sit under them. And when little seeds fall down, or yeah, bits of yeah, seeds fall down, yeah, they, yeah. they purposely position themselves under yeah. feeding evening gross beaks so they can get yeah. morsels that they couldn't open themselves. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that. Think. they're kind of <laughs> doing a working together thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun
1: to watch. And, it's, you know, one of the things that we talk about too is the, you know, the dominance at the feeders in the wintertime, if you get all these birds showing mm-hmm. up, you know, it's kind of fun to watch you, you know, the pecking order is. it's often right. referred to. Who,
0: it's a real thing.
1: Yeah. It's a real thing. And there are definite uh, hierarchies among the different species of birds as to who is the top dog and who's the bottom dog. And, yeah. In the in the realm of these winter finches, the the pines of the smaller finches, now, obviously the evening grosbeak is is the top top dog. Yes. Uh, but the uh, the pine siskin, when it comes to the pine siskin and things like the purple finch and the American goldfinch, uh, that's your pecking order. Uh, the the siskin are pretty dominant, and they're dominant over the purple finch, but the purple finch are dominant over the American goldfinch. So it's that kind of behavior that, again, we get excited about because we can actually right. watch the interactions between these different bird species and, and watch the pecking order in action, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Well, give people a, an idea. Okay, where can I see Evening gross Beaks this winter? Are they going to show up at my feeders? Well, they are on the move, and we know out west, they are definitely in some of the typical locations out west. Rock, they're, Rocky Mountains. Uh, and, yeah, you're in the yeah. Cascades and the, the Rockies. Um, they're already... the the northerly ones are moving through the mountains, but they're also dropping down into the foothills. I know they're already into New Mexico, Arizona, Mm -hmm. um, getting almost into SoCal, that's Southern California. Um, And we have a few that are already being found in West Texas. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you're out in the East, man, the Northeast, um, that from (laughs) Ottawa um, up through Quebec city and into the Northeastern states they are they're all over the place right now yeah. and they're starting to move South.
1: Yeah. Down to New Jersey and, and a little South of New Jersey and all the way over to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, that whole, it's very cool. Northeast quadrant of the, of the U S is, and Canada is, is, uh, pretty well seeing the movement of these mm-hmm.
0: birds. And, and we expect them to drop a little further South yeah. too. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, just keep watching. Um, but another bird that's kind of bouncing, uh, really dropping down, the purple finch. You alluded to purple finch hanging out and yeah, yeah. that hierarchy. Uh, purple finch, yeah, they uh, kind of like house finch, Cassin's finch, all very similar, you know, kind of the, the tricky look alike birds. Mm-hmm, but purple mm-hmm. finch are on the move and they're dropping down. I mean, in the east, they're already down into. Uh, south carolina georgia alabama and out west they're already moving down the entire coast all the coastal states and province um, of of british columbia so they're on the move and now starting to drop into some of the central states so that's that's really neat and just a neat little song um, very finch like but probably one of those tips how do you tell that purple finch from Mm -hmm. a house Mm -hmm. finch or a cassins Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the, the old saying that if you take that uh, nice brown streaky finch and, and you, you dip them in some raspberry jam uh, or some red wine, uh, that whole coloration.
1: <laughs> That's the old name, saying, isn't it? I don't, I don't know which one they're going to prefer. but uh, <laughs> I'll take the wine, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the idea is, you know, the entire head, including the cheek and the shoulders which is kind of one of those key things to look for has a tint of that reddish purplish coloration in it where house finches in their cheek they don't have that coloration that's just Mm -hmm. kind of a tan or brown Um, so that's kind of that key thing to look for a few other things you can look for and we'll put in our show notes uh, some tricky id tips a link to being able to tell the difference yeah, so that's an
1: excellent source. Those that's three. A, that's the one from Cornell, right? The,
0: yes, Cornell yeah. Lab for Anthology. Yeah, on their, it's on their excellent. Project Feeder Watch page. Yeah. Really, yeah. really neat yeah. resource. Yeah.
1: Great, great way to tell it. To, and you really have to look. I mean, we have a lot of people who, you know, have the house finch. And, mm-hmm. and they they just, yeah, they really never take the time. They, you know, just think it's a nicer Plumaged house finch, you know, maybe a right. little, little more wine color to it, or a little more yeah. extensive color on it. And oh, look at that house finch! Look how nice it is, you know.
0: Yeah. Take a hard and look. It, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Take a hard look cause and the they might be slightly
0: bigger. Yeah. You might see that difference if purples are sitting next to the the house or cassins. They're a little bit bigger, a little stockier. So it's 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 something. Yeah. Don't just assume what's on your feeder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what take a look. You know, and that too. It's kind of the side benefit of having a big eruption year. It actually makes you kind of look at your your feeders a little more seriously. You know, you don't just right. glance out the window and go "There their house finches, and you glance out the window <laughs> and go, I wonder if I've got a purple finch out there. Well, I wonder if there's a pine siskin out there. And you you take a little more time yeah. to, you know, scan your feeders and make sure mm-hmm. that these guys either are or are not there as of yet. So that's kind of, right. that's kind of an added benefit to it. So
0: Yeah, little tip: those pine siskin look like winter American goldfinches. Yeah. So look yeah. for really streaky goldfinches with that stiletto yep. pinpoint bill. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I've got the the, the red poles, which is uh, another bird mm-hmm. that uh, it, it, it's predicted uh, the common red pole is predicted mm-hmm. to come south in pretty good numbers it has yet to start that movement and <laughs> right. some people are saying, well, if it was really coming south, you would have already seen some movement by now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one we're going to have to keep a watch on and see if it really comes south. But again, when they do come, they come in pretty oh. good sized numbers. And, and so hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and again, it's a, it, it, it kind of one of those double take looks. I mean, they are definitely different than a purple and a house finch. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but again, they kind of like
0: have a little beret. Yeah, they're the, yeah, kind of that. Yeah, a little. Yeah, kind of like a finch bird, but with a beret yeah, on yeah, their forehead.
1: Yeah. So the bottom line, the bottom line is, it's, it's another reason to kind of watch your feeders mm-hmm. a little bit more and a little harder, and and uh, and uh, keep an eye out for for red poles. And they're they're one, and actually a number of these uh, evening grosbeaks and, and uh, red poles both. You know, I, we did a episode a couple back on on platform feeders and tray feeders. Oh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And and these birds love those. And these birds are all about tray feeders and, you know, the bigger platform type feeder. And uh, so that might be something you want to think about, you know. You mm-hmm. might want, mm-hmm. if you don't have a tray feeder out in your backyard, then, you know, you might want to put one out there this winter and see what you can get. See if it attracts these guys to your backyard. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people—they're probably thinking, okay, you haven't called out my geographical area yet. Are there birds showing yeah, Brian, up, Brian? when are you going to do that. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it right now. <laughs> Red-breasted nut hatches. Oh my goodness, they are almost For, covering yeah, the entire lower in the forty-eight. US and Canada. <laughs> right, they are all all over the southern provinces. They're in every. Yeah. Uh, lower 48 states already, and in many respects, almost covering them. Um, So they were on the move. They're actually one of the earlier movements, Mm -hmm. and they are not a winter finch, but they are one of those eruptive birds. And so it is something that um, Finch Research Network pays attention to. And you've heard, if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, uh, the last few, my excitement about having yeah. Yeah. rib breast and a hatch in my backyard this year and it just it is so much fun um, and just to have that brand new bird and the interactions because they're fairly yeah. fearless and they're just so adorable yeah yeah. And you just can't help it your heart swells and I feel like um, the whose heart grew five <laughs> times that day you know <laughs> well and here and, is
1: the thing I don't have one yet you know, it just, uh, it, right, yeah. yeah, and that is, that's kind of the fun of it in a weird mm-hmm. way, it, you know, cause I mean, you've had them, I probably know a half a dozen other people have had them at their feeders or out at the local state park or wherever it might be. They're seeing them. Mm-hmm. I have yet to have one come to my feeders and it's like, <laughs> you know, so again, <laughs> I'm watching my feeders. I'm listening because they have such a cute little yank, 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 yank,
0: yeah. Beep, beep,
1: beep, call. And, uh, it uh, it's something that I'm hoping.
0: Mm-hmm. A couple of
1: years ago, I had two. I had a pair of oh. them coming and going and just all day long to my feeders, which was just so much fun. Uh, well, so we have kind of I'm, flipped.
0: Two two are, years ago, I had we kind of flipped that then because two years ago I had one show yeah. up one day. Yeah. Just one day the whole winter and then nothing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and mine was coming out them. We have a little little um, a treat tray I had out. That you had uh, and they were coming in and going to that every single day. So. Um, getting bark butter bits for the most part, but, you know, a few other nuts and seeds. Uh, so anyway, you know, that's, that is, and again, part of the excitement is part of the anticipation. Yes. Is are First they sure they ever show up? Everybody else is getting them. Why
0: aren't <laughs> I getting them? What's in it for well, me? I want my birds? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think to um, something, how do I attract them and keep them in my yard? We've talked about some of these birds, you know, having a blend of that's definitely going to have sunflower in it and could have chips or sunflower seeds in the shell. And a lot of times black oil, sunflower is the best sometimes having some striped sunflower there, but, um, you look at the nut hatches, they like seeds, but they also like suet based products. Yeah. And so having some of those around, um, and they also like mealworms, uh, dried or live. So having, Uh, an option of different foods is going to help when they do come through that's going to help them with a little boost if they're still on the move or say hmm there's a good bit of food here and maybe some natural foods as well maybe I'll stay in winter in this area So, see what you can do to to try but the key is you got to have the foods available so you don't have to go crazy with it Uh, not like putting a bazillion oranges throughout your yard in the springtime trying to capture orioles coming through but uh, just having food available and keep it fresh.
1: So again, uh, lots of fun, lots of things to look forward to. And again, some of these birds, like one of the things I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but we quite often even see a bigger push of siskins sometimes after the first of the year mm-hmm. than we do early. Yes. So, so that is you an know, it, excellent you, point. Yeah, yeah. If we don't have them now, we're don't. You're not lost. You may still have that opportunity come January, even February. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll move late. We think the Red Poles will probably follow that pattern this year. If they're going to mm-hmm. come south. It's going to be a little bit later, it looks like. So lots of things to look forward to. I would actually say this: the I'm just so pleased that the Finch Network has really upped their game. And oh, have this yes. great website, and they have a Facebook page that keeps people reporting what they're seeing on a daily basis. So that's even cooler. So you can kind of keep up to date as to what's going on into your area, yeah. and uh, know whether they're coming your way or not. So those links will all be on our, uh, our, our in the uh, show notes, the show note page. Yeah, and be ready to go.
0: Yeah. So what we're saying? Don't give up. Yeah. Keep looking. Keep the food fresh stay excited because you just you never know and hey maybe another bird shows up that you didn't even expect yeah look to the sky look to the sky (laughs) (laughs) those those things with feathers
1: all right well all right brian that's it you know again uh one of our favorite things, we do wait for this finch forecast every mm-hmm. single year and and always get excited about it when it's looking to be a good year, which they are basically saying this is yep. probably going to be one of our better years. So yep, yep, definitely. I think with that, we'll mosey on down the line and talk about next week.
0: Indeed. Yeah, I appreciate everyone joining us today on behalf of Wild Birds Unlimited. Thank you for jumping in with looking out for fabulous finches. And hope you've really enjoyed it, learned some things, and you're getting excited. So rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Absolutely. And next time, not
1: next week, but our next podcast, I should say, Mm -hmm. one of our favorite annual, we kind of do this every year, a little bit about holiday traditions, some old traditions, and maybe starting some new traditions with your family when it comes to birds and bird feeding in your backyard. So until that time, Brian and I are going to continue to keep nature as our guide. So until then, please take care, be safe, and keep those
0: feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store near you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.